0: your profession today that you're helping beautifully so many children that are um, some people see it as a disease going through the autism other people see it as children that with higher levels so I'm going to leave that the forum so you can a little bit explain to us what really it is
1: yeah, thank you. I mean, for me, it's a privilege, actually, to be able to talk about this because, you know, growing up, it was so mm-hmm. weird that I was the different one but didn't know why. And in hindsight, looking back, I was actually really, um, you know, privileged back then but didn't know because everything in my childhood has prepared me for today.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So for me, uh, being extremely Creative, uh, artistic, loving to draw, to dance, to move, to paint, to sing. I just wanted to do things, but that was not on the agenda. The agenda was listen to your mother, do everything you have to, learn from school, uh, you know, just the tefillot, whatever they're teaching, that's all you got to know. And get ready, because at 18 there will be a shidduch, and that's it. That's your job. That didn't work for me. <laughs> And when my children were diagnosed with autism, it was uh, an awakening for me because I didn't see them as disabled to the extent where they cannot function in society. I saw them as gifted for functioning in this society, but also extremely comfortable in a world that's a fantasy right now. The fantasy is if an autistic person is alone on an island, would they be disabled? The answer is no. The disability, in my opinion, in my professional opinion, today with my work, I am a psychologist and mm-hmm. I work with autism. Uh, that is my specialization. And I can clearly say, from my professional opinion, that autism is a disability when society is around the autistic person. So sci- Society makes the, the person become disabled.
0: The society. Well, how interesting. Can you expand a little bit? Or give us one or two examples
1: with the autistic culture we now are seeing a the beginning of a movement for change moving away from behaviorism moving to acceptance of our way of life as opposed to giving us therapies right. to make us more normal so that you can be more satisfied and more comfortable so that's why i say it's it's driven by society's expectations of what is normal
0: It's amazing. Uh, I want to ask you, do we know what causes autism today?
1: It's a societal problem, and it's something that, you know, 120 years ago, we had Freud and Jung uh, dealing with these same problems. And the reason we can't make progress is because the culture is structured such that the one that we see as lesser or less able has to be subjected to further oppression.
0: Amazing. amazing, Yes, because we don't understand them. That's why by oppressing they will say, oh, we we, we know what we're doing. We know what is best.
1: Very On a philosophical level, it goes deeper. If you and me have a conversation and we meet in the shul and, you know, tefillah is done and then there's the Kiddush and then uh, you see me going straight for uh, a Rogalah, and you're going straight for some grape juice to make Kiddush, that's different. So if your ego is feeling a little bit insulted or injured, the, the psyche will try to redeem itself. And the first way that you can feel in the right is by comparing it to me and saying, oh, she's in the wrong, therefore I am in the right. So if I make a comment like, Mamala, would you like me to be part uh, have you in mind in my kiddish? Then you elevate your status and that's the beginning of uh, discrimination between me and the other. And so, it's the basis of othering. So
0: othering. first it starts in that way. Yes, and I think you have a lot of experience in that area where you've seen the behaviors of uh, communities that are would you say, are they oppressed or suppressed? or how would you how can you describe um, groups uh, that have a common uh, lifestyle that are very insular? How could you describe such a, a environment?
1: Well, any insular community has a primary agenda of keeping their members in a specific order. And the order that they have usually prescribed, oftentimes, has a higher power, such as a religious belief system. Um, There was a group in, uh, you know, the the Amish people, their objective is to maintain the purity of their ancestors Mm -hmm. without adapting to the new technology, because their belief system, which they attach to their religion, is to stick with the original Bible verses. So if electricity wasn't mentioned in the Bible, they take no position on even acknowledging that electricity mm-hmm. exists.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So the same thing with, uh, uh, you know, very uh, orthodox uh, Hasidic people living in a, you know, the city of the world in, in New York City and not adapting to, the needs of the growing society for example elections how do they deal with elections elections wasn't written in the torah
0: so there's not
1: enough information to guide us so this is where there's a clash and this is where there begins the separation between the people in an organized group situating themselves in a group that isn't organized by their belief system and how does this encounter occur are they wearing masks Are they shutting the schools down? Are they staying indoors? Um, At the Shabbos table, are they all sitting around together, not six feet apart? And on and on and on, because there is no way to adapt to something that isn't in the Torah. So if the belief system is insular, it also causes injury. It can cause injury, because there is no adaptation.
0: So what are women doing, women like you? I I assume there must be other girls that are not uh, complying with the way of lifestyle. So uh, are they hurting and is there a movement or is there an organization to help them out?
1: So basically, the difference is in the generation of the person. So Mm -hmm. I was born, you know, in the generation Mm -hmm. where Holocaust survivors were the only family we had. Mm -hmm. We didn't know of people without PTSD. We didn't know of people who, for me, every Shabbos, one grandchild was supposed to go sleep at my grandmother's house because she would wake up screaming in German in the middle of the night for the rest of her life, you know. Growing up with that, there's absolutely no time to start looking out and checking if there are other options besides for your insular life. So it begins with having questions, wondering, but at the same time, it's not asked. It's never raised. The questions are never raised. And then there are some things that are done behaviorally to redeem or or hold on to this identity you have. So, So in my example... You know being so creative and so artistic and everything i was determined to spend all of my time drawing and painting and playing with stickers and lego and building things and exploring and discovering one day um my father dropped some coins now i was a little kid and i turned to him and i said oh you dropped one penny two dimes a nickel and three quarters and i wasn't even here in the same room Because the weight of the coin dropping to the floor had a different sound. Wow. wow, wow. And my father got angry because he didn't understand what happened. He didn't understand why I'm announcing it. He didn't comprehend why this was a relevant skill set. So you get punished for not bringing relative skill sets To the survival of the majority. If the majority doesn't need to paint right now, you shouldn't be painting. But this has changed because the next generation, the millennials, who are the parents today, these are people who grew up around the internet. It was unavoidable. Um, Telephone booths were phased out. If I ever wanted to have a good juicy conversation, I would save many quarters and I would go to the telephone booth and call my friend because I would otherwise have to be in the household being overheard by my mother on the cordless phone, right? Right. So as these kids learned to grow up and build relationships and discover who are my friends, who are not my friends, they were able to do it with sneaking a cell phone into the bathroom, figuring out WhatsApp, figuring out with kosher internet, what can you find and what can't you find how to hack into your parents' uh, family filter. Wow. This was basic. So I'm on the cusp of that generation because I had the good fortune to get an AOL uh, CD-ROM in 1996, in 1996 or seven, and I popped it into the computer. It said, free internet for 60 minutes, and (laughs) anything that's free, a good (laughs) Jew will follow those orders. (laughs) And I took advantage of it, and I discovered that There is a world of information. I always wanted information. I was always an education addict, you know, looking to read and to learn, and that's how I discovered the next stage of my life.
0: It has so beautiful, but I I assume that this you had to really be totally brave to see. evaluate what was important in your life and um I mean I have highly respect for listening to your inner voice saying you need to develop to to uh help your children tell us a little bit about um you say you have how many with with the, the autism how many children with autism
1: um, I have four children, and mm-hmm. three of them were diagnosed. And I'm also proud to be a bobby.
0: Oh, Masalto, very beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Bo oh, So, how did you realize they were, you know, without with the without the doctor yet? How did you uh, understand that they were different than? Everybody else.
1: I actually did not realize uh, they were different.
0: Right, your <laughs> mommy never, the mommy, me, mommy never sees. Yeah. You. yeah.
1: No, the mother is biased. The mm-hmm. mother is always biased. She loves her children unconditionally. She caters to their needs. And in my case, um, a typical day in the household was the rule of supper time, where you know every child in a large family is responsible for taking their plate and their cup and putting it in the sink. Mommy will wash the dishes, but she can't possibly clear up after everybody. Right. So the rule was, you're, when you put your dishes in the sink, you're not allowed to walk to the sink. You have to dance to the music that's playing. <laughs> so it turned into a competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, Who's preparing for which song, and they were rehearsing, and then they were judging each other. And it was this whole big thing we had, and it was just something out of nothing, right. something that we could do. And I still didn't think our household was different than right. others. But I did have, you know, the neighbors coming to us all the time to enjoy themselves, sitting on the porch together, feeding mm. our children in the summer, mm-hmm. while they're running around on the bicycles, you know. Yeah. So I snap, never saw anything different. But then I got a call from the yeshiva when my son was in, I think he's, yeah, he was, he was uh, in the second grade. Was eight and a half. No, he must have been in, in fourth the Kita Dalit. Mm-hmm. And he, the the principal said, uh, "Hello, uh, is Mr. Cooperstein available?" And I said, mm-hmm. "He's not available. This is," uh, I said, "Who's calling?" Well, this is uh, Rabbi blah 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 from the yeshiva. I'm calling about your son. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you have Mr. Cooperstein call me back when he comes home? I said, if "It's my son. You can talk to me, right?" Right and he took a breath and he's like yeah yeah okay so he tells me quite just quickly just dropped it he said we got complaints from the teacher there's something wrong with your child um, and we want to send you for testing uh, your son we want to we want you to make an appointment with this and this person for an evaluation and i said well what's wrong with my son he said I don't know, but the teacher said something about uh, he doesn't sit uh, perfectly still in circle time, in parasha time, and he's awkward, and I said, what do you mean awkward? Well, Reese's time, he'll just start telling jokes, even though nobody's listening. (laughs) I said, okay, well, that's still not, what. why do we have to go to a, have a test for that? It won't cost you anything. I said, oh, Okay. So I took down the name and the number of the person went for the evaluation and the evaluator was a woman who was evaluating for special education Mm -hmm. and based on his scores we were referred to a neuropsychologist for further diagnostics and he got the diagnosis right away. Um, Even with his verbal skills you know the the way that people score adaptive behaviors on an autism scale, it's very likely that children who are born from me would meet the criteria.
0: <laughs> oh, beautiful. So you're saying very high scores. That's what you're saying. They had very high scores.
1: No. and yeah. Because it's a spectrum disorder, there's no such thing as high-functioning, okay. low-functioning, okay. high-scoring, low-scoring. Mm-hmm. You have to think of it sort of like, you know, at a sound recording studio where the sound engineer has these dials that goes up and down, and he's adjusting the bass and the treble and the feedback and, mm-hmm. you know, changing different voices. Like someone says, I want to hear the flute a little more, right? So they'll make, they'll increase mm-hmm. flute to nine. Yeah. yeah. And... But all of these things, it's just adjustments in different parts of the scale. So every person who's evaluated for autism is evaluated on a spectrum of different skill sets. And even if you get an eight on one or speech is two, there's no speech available or uh, sensory issues. They don't have a lot of sensory issues. So it's nine. And then, you know. Mm -hmm. How much they're controlling their body movement or how much it's going by itself, neurological reflexes, that's a seven. But the point is they draw a straight line across, and that's the bar. And they make an average of all of these scores, and if you meet the bar, the cutoff, then you have an autism diagnosis. Oh, how interesting. That's why it's a spectrum. We can't say that this kid, who's running around the backyard, flapping his hands, squealing with the light, and is nonverbal, we can't say he's more autistic than myself, who has a Ph.D.
0: <laughs> You're amazing. That's it's
1: true. the same thing. Autism <laughs> the is the same across the spectrum.
0: Right, the, sp- the famous spectrum. So we would like to uh, you know, learn much more about uh, how to, as as parents, as teachers... How to recognize early detection of autism? What do we have to look for, or, or you know, what gives us the not red flags like you say? It's not, but just awareness. That's what I want to say.
1: Really, Um, if the if the pediatrician doesn't have any red flags for you, that's enough for a young child. But at the same time, when they start school, what's most critical in the the child who's going to eventually get diagnosed is not for detection for the purpose of a disability, but detection for the purpose of the parent to learn how to accept what is unique about their child. Because if the child gets diagnosed and then gets infiltrated with all of these special services and supports, their entire identity is going to be centered around their deficits. Every day they go to school, they come home and they're like, oh, I'm in the special class. I'm the only one in the special class. All the other kids go to the regular class. I'm on the special bus. All the other kids go on the big bus. Even my sister, even my brother. That's their entire life, their identity. It's all they know about themselves. But if it begins with the parents saying, well, this one, okay, so he's weird. This one doesn't talk. This one's not potty trained. But they all go to school like everybody else. The burden is on the parents. To detect quite early on that a child might be different and that your love for that child should not change mm. your acceptance of that that child should not change
0: so um if, how early i mean tell us a little bit of what to do i i hear you do wonders with with uh, children with autism uh, and you've mentioned before with severe autism um give us a little bit of a you know, like a, a a lay down. How how is it that you that you help them out when parents are going, like you say, uh, in a difficult situation that they cannot calm the kids because they're coming and going and going and coming and going and coming and going, right? So, what advice do you give the parents?
1: Well, I want to correct your question a little yes. bit because of these technical issues mm-hmm. that we take now with, type, with language, because even the phrasing of the question could cause people to have an attitude. So the first mm-hmm. thing is, we did not talk about severe autism. It doesn't right. exist. We don't okay. talk about functional levels, higher, more severe, mild. If people start calling me high-functioning, I tell them, yeah, I prefer my autism hot and spicy. <laughs> You know, a little <laughs> bit of salsa there, yes. <laughs> yes, I'm just a piece of, I'm a, I'm a jar of salsa, mm, you know, pick your style, and that's my style. So there is no severe autism. When I work with autistic children or students, all ages, my oldest student is 58, um, because the spectrum contains all of these variations of personalities that are, you know, an autistic person also has a personality. Some of them like to draw, some of them like to, to think. Some of them like to garden, Some of them like to do uh, taekwondo. It's, it's you know, as variable as non-autistic people. Mm-hmm. So what's, what we have in common is the autism.: You're right. And when I worked with the students for many, many years, um, I was teaching piano, and my preference was non-speaking. We don't call them nonverbal because they're communicating. But not with speech.
0: Okay. Yes. Very. huh Very interesting. Yes. Very important. Uh, uh, Different. Understand that there's other ways of communicating with their hands, face expressions, mm-hmm. but not. Or even
1: even biting and hitting. If you're going to talk to them like they are imbeciles, like they are uh, infants. Oh, good job! You're gonna get bit because if I were to do it to you, you would you would bite me as well. <laughs>
0: Yeah, like, why do you, why are you treating me like that? I'm a normal person. I am different. Just because I'm different doesn't mean that
1: you have to other me and say, therefore, she must be the lesser-abled person.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So the work with the teaching the piano, for many, many years, people were saying, oh, my gosh, it can't possibly work. But he doesn't speak. He's nonverbal. Don't you have to be in the house to show him by moving his hands? And that is, again, uh, ideas about service delivery that focuses on what they can't do. The mother thinks the child can't move the hand, therefore someone has to be there to move his hand for him. Music education doesn't require anyone to do anything. It requires the student to put their hands on the piano and play what is written in the notation. And the teacher's job is to teach them how to read the
0: notes. And that's that's amazing how you do it. I mean, I, I was able to see once... Uh, someone that didn't know how to read and then started doing Chopin. How can that happen? How, I mean <laughs> I it's,
1: it's It's a common language just because a person doesn't speak doesn't mean they can't think it doesn't mean they're not actually literate in multiple languages. Many of my students are very, very conversational in different languages, so I have these young three year- olds who have discovered that on YouTube videos. You can change captions to different languages. Wow, wow, wow. So they'll watch their favorite shows, uh, Super Mario or whatever, and then they'll change it to French. <laughs> they'll change it to Spanish. A child who does that is extremely academically
0: under-stimulated.
1: Wow,
0: wow. Yeah, I know a lot of them. Wow, a lot
1: of them. Okay, so then when they are 8 or 11 years old and suddenly you're starting to talk to them like an infant, you're going to get hit. Because if I was in that situation, I would beat everybody up. Of course. But you know, and as a child, I beat people up differently. I use I use my words, um, and they didn't like it. And then I was called a machitzef. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, wash your teeth, wash your mouth with soap. We'll put pepper in your mouth. Say that again, one more time. No one talks to your parent. Don't talk to your parent like that. So this is a different generation, and the current generation is very happy that my services are, have always been uh COVID, the, like distant learning has always been what I've been doing.
0: COVID proof.
1: <laughs> yeah, so there we are, with evidence, mm-hmm. I have been doing this for a decade, so wow, suddenly awesome. guess who was popular in a pandemic, <laughs> <There>
0: <laughs> because
1: people were thinking, oh, we can't send them to school. And then when we do distance learning, we find out that special education has nothing to do with education. That's and really it's wild. just a teacher doing a calendar and singing songs and saying, here's your name. What color is this card? Mm. Say red. That's not what the other kids of this age are doing. And therefore the parents were looking for options. So I started offering de-schooling, unschooling, homeschooling, distant learning. Uh, deschooling means to deprogram a child from the idea that the educator is the sole beholder of the knowledge.
0: Right, right, right. right. I guess, yes, I understand that. And right now, with this new uh, lifestyle, the teacher should not be the main focus, but a coach.
1: The educator is the midwife
0: of brilliance. The midwife of brilliance, which is much more I mean, uh, you have to put much more into your prep and your preparation as a as a teacher. But but the uh, outcome is beautiful. That I have to say, yes, yes.
1: You had a question about the parents who you know are unable to calm their children. And again, I want to correct the question because just because a person is running in circles doesn't mean they're agitated.
0: Correct. It's more the parents that are agitated
1: the parents are being triggered by the child's movement disorder the child's inability to use speech to communicate and the parents are having a reaction i don't have difficulty working with my students i have my my primary challenge is the parents the parents who are triggered by their child the parent who keeps saying Oh, my God, we only have 30 minutes for this lesson, and he spent the whole time with his hands in his pens. Who cares? Right. The brain is available. Right,
0: right. We have to have a much more open scope that it's not this sit down, be quiet, and use your pen and, and paper. That's It's old-fashioned.
1: Old-fashioned is teaching piano and spending the first two years on posture and how to hold your hands properly. And sitting perfectly still the only person who can learn uh, by sitting perfectly still is somebody who is waiting to hear the verdict of his sentence and he's praying okay so anyone else doesn't learn by sitting perfectly still I'm on a chair that rocks and swivels right because the more movement I can satisfy my body the more my brain is open it's activating the channels of learning and conversation Yes. Um, creativity
0: that's the most when you important.
1: have to take all of your brain energy to focus on sitting perfectly still yes. you're hijacking your thought process
0: that's so true i mean i i have i mean i'm gonna tell you i i have uh, a lot of girls right now I'm in Zoom, and some at the beginning you know mrs church and they're filing their nails or they're petting their doggy or and i see that that's what they need to focus or chewing a piece of paper or gum. Or,
1: or playing with a piece of plasticine, there you which go. I have. Yes, I yes. got this for my birthday present because my friends know me very well.
0: Oh, they you? And like they it? know
1: that if I can roll a piece of clay in my hand and make a little snake and then turn a the circle around my finger, that's enough for me to concentrate and give some of my time
0: to you beautiful beautiful so yeah we we're going to uh, we would want to uh see if with uh, Dr. Henny Cooper we can start a series for you know mommies that uh, have this taboo because i mean do you find parents feeling different or have this uh, oh no my son i don't want anybody to know attitude what do you What do you suggest? Um, first of all, I want to, you to tell us how we can get in contact with you. Uh, open a little bit here here from Israel. Um, we are want to create a um, first a workshop and then make this something that can help a lot of people here in in Israel and in this region. So I leave it up to you in terms of telling us how we can contact you, um, and uh, whoever wants your email, also that, okay?
1: Well, that's really great because I always, you know, I'm looking for the right person to contact me at the right time. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, I am the only Henny Cooperstein in the world, so that <laughs> simplifies things. And a lot of Jewish people know how to spell Cooperstein with a K, okay. so that simplifies it even more. Um, but to make it even simpler, my website is hennyk.com, and my email is just even simpler. It's henny at hennyk.com. So that's just a quick shortcut. You could also look me up on Facebook. Henny Kuperstein henny uh, PhD would be my Facebook page. And I try to share some uh, information and you know memes and good chair and things that are relevant to the topic of uh, building awareness of autistic culture that goes beyond a disordered view. Um, well, with workshops and things like that, you know, it used to be a lot of one-to-one work with the students, and you know, after I've published uh, significant research, my Goals was to educate the educators and to teach in these graduate programs where the OTs, the PTs, the speech therapists, the special education uh, uh, people who are about to graduate with a license, they uh, should at least have an opportunity to learn from the field. And I bring from the field lived experience and professional experience and scientific research. So beautiful. that's something that's uh, really important because if I work one to one I change one child's life in a week but if I teach to a class of 30 special educated uh, special education graduate students and they each have a class of 30 uh, you know
0: that it's will a reach out right more there. more children what is the that, that would be beautiful to do it yes uh, one thing that I wanted to ask you, um, I hear that more and more in um, the uh, Palo Alto community, you know, high tech, they are seeing more, 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 more cases of, of autism. Is there any relationship with that between the, you know, the high tech and You know,
1: 20 years ago, the rage was about New Jersey having the highest rates in the country, and people started blaming, uh, you know, the contaminated water. They couldn't find any evidence. So, you know, and then it switched to, oh my gosh, Silicon Valley, what's going on over there? It's terrible. Cupertino is now the highest small county. with the most rates comparing to New Jersey, the people who are looking at prevalence, who are looking at numbers, are failing to understand that autism is a it's a novel expression of genetic personalities that come from the biological parents. So if you're weird and quirky and, and artistic and creative and your husband is a scholar who is, you know good with numbers and investments and <laughs> stuff like that high attention to detail detail architecture um, you know interior design electrical engineering stuff like that this is guaranteeing that you're gonna have very quirky children right. and, and, and quirks doesn't equate to disability right right so coming back to the workshops, it is incumbent on me and all of us to make connections with workshops for the actual parents because the parents of the newly diagnosed children are immediately being recommended to get connected with the professionals. And because I haven't taught every single professional yet how to be current (laughs) with their research, we have no choice but to empower the parents to make these decisions early on. Mm -hmm. How am I going to treat my child? The disabled cripple... Who has to go to therapy every single day who can't do anything because I can't see anything that he does because I don't know how to evaluate it or the parents who actually ask an autistic adult who is an autism researcher wow, yes. and say you know what does it mean when he does this what does it mean when he does that right. and a conversation with multiple parents can really really change the, the, the society that is heavily involved with it's hit and miss. If the parent doesn't learn early on what they need to adapt to for their child's well-being, then the child's life is just going to go and go and go and go, and it's not going to – nobody cures themselves when they're 18. It's not a disease. Right. So it's just a different way of thinking, being, and existing.
0: And then, We're uh, not
1: a different species. No. We're still human, so we but with a
0: higher level of understanding, like you say, a quirk, a different, a different area of 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 understanding, and and that is, what have you seen Eve, with your students uh, that have grown up? Uh, they they are able to to you know find a job and get married and everything the same. I mean, they even enhance. Any recommendation or. Yeah, that you could tell us about this there, age group. Yes,
1: yeah, so when I first started with the piano, um, the goal was to isolate the fingers from each other and to make them move purposefully one at a time, and then, you know, two at a time, two hands and then chords with three fingers on the left hand and stuff like that. Um, the idea of activating purposeful movement in the ten fingers was to prepare them for ten-finger typing on the computer.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And sure enough, uh, I have seven students now who are still enrolled in university, and they're independently typing, and, Mm -hmm. of course, they're top of the class. Um, I have one student who got a perfect score in his SATs and was valedictorian in high school.
0: Beautiful. Mm
1: -hmm. You know, these are very high-achieving, hard-working people with a work ethic that makes absolutely no sense for the person who doesn't understand the privilege of waking up, being able to breathe, being able to take a shower, and go to their job. Wow. This is a very different life, and from my experience, my students are highly adaptive, and yes. the doctors keep calling them maladaptive. That's so,
0: the other way around. The other side the, of, of, the, of the coin. Who would be the other side of the coin?
1: Because the autistic non-speaking individual who is typing to communicate is doing so for your precious uh, needs, not because they need to express anything to you.
0: Right. Uh, And to
1: prove themselves beyond a reasonable doubt that they're the ones moving their hand and nobody's touching them and nobody's guiding them or God forbid someone is moving the letter board a little faster next to the finger so they can touch it. People are so quick to judge, but they're not looking at themselves and saying, but how much do I catch and Mm. how much do I whine and how much do I moan and groan about COVID, COVID, COVID. These individuals have been adaptive to anything life has thrown at them including being home and comfortable and being able to be on a Zoom call without anybody coming into their space and violating their sensory boundaries. This has been uh, a long-standing time coming for autistic people to say, who is maladaptive now? The ones who are having difficulty getting (laughs) to a meeting without wine and pajama pants? Or the one who is adaptive and says, well, we've always done it. Now let's keep showing them. Helping. So autistics are thriving Helping. in a pandemic,
0: and that's very compelling. That is very compelling, and I, and I want to see uh, here in, in Israel or in this part of the region, the Middle East, that we can uh, help more people to uh, have Dr. Henny Cooperstein uh, train some of the, these teachers. W- uh, you know, Later on, we will talk about what does the training entail, We could also talk about uh, if these workshops can can happen and if so, when, and if there's age groups that we can, uh, you know, separate. Some people already have children that are in their 18s or some are just starting two, three years old. Does that make a difference? You know, all these things that we can talk about it. But I know it's you very have... very
1: interesting. Yes. Yeah, I'm pressed for time, but I want to say that I, yes. I have, you know, my interest is outside the U.S. because in the United States, it's a system of implementation of services and supports that go back 25 years, and the government is not looking at updated research. So, you know, they're just going to have to figure it out for themselves. And right. a year ago, I spent some time in Brazil, Yes. and... I over a span of 3 weeks I was connected to 1600 families wow, wow, and wow. I realized that the reason they were so receptive is because it's a country that has a a very very rich cultural history of blending of societies
0: Completely. and
1: races and ethnicities and autism is not considered devastating uh, autism is considered Uh, uh, almost like in a shamanistic experience so me coming in there they treated me like one of the really cool shamans the whisperer (laughs) the autism whisperer which I am NOT but at the same time it made it so much easier to be able to help the parents understand look at that that's a gift observing what their child is doing and recognizing that typically developed children of that age don't have those capacities and I have to say I've right. made a lasting impact on those families who are in contact and we're trying to bring, you know, this curriculum to Brazil but right now no fala portuguese, which no is a portuguese no
0: Pero se puede hablar today, like you said, you just press the little button there and it will do the translation for you. I mean yes. that but Internet is
1: uh, not a privilege for everybody, I know, so I know, I that's know. really what's holding us back. Uh, and also, um, I found that with my work with uh, Indian families, they have India? one child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from you know India itself. And I found that the, the idea is you have a child, your child's going to grow up, it's going to get to Harvard or Yale or both and is going to provide for the family and the story so whether they're autistic or not the expectation is the same and that's a really 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 easy population for me to work with because the family idea about the child is okay you're you're, you have cerebral palsy your legs are stiff no problem we'll do something and we'll get your legs working (laughs) it's like
0: that's amazing. The way you were
1: born yes. doesn't change how we think about you right. or expect anything right. of you. So right. Right. the expectations are very high regardless yeah. of a diagnosis. That's, that's so true. that was, you know, at one point, 80% of my students were from, um, yeah. you know, India or Dubai um, yeah. or you know anywhere around. And and so coming back to the Emirates, it's a little bit more difficult because the The money is available, right? The funding is available, right? But the family attitude is not there yet, even with a nanny.
0: Yes. So it's a matter of educating. Yes, it's a matter of educating the the parents. Right.
1: So Mm -hmm. coming to Israel, the most important part is to start with the families. Mm -hmm. Um. And unfortunately, even though after many many years. Uh, My organization has been successful in getting state funding in the United States, so the kids are reimbursed, so the parents don't have to pay out of pocket. We don't have those mechanisms in Israel at this time. Mm -hmm. They're still trying to institutionalize all of these therapies. And that's just something that, you know, in the U.S. we're we're over. We have passed legislation for deinstitutionalization. But everything is clinic-based in Israel. So that's something that on a systemic level has to be taken care of. And while that's being taken care of with people who work with policy, and I'm happy to consult with them, yes. in the meantime, the parents have to figure out how are we going to pay out of pocket for something that we feel very strongly about. Um, and it could change their lives. So that's so we, the investment we, well, that I'm appealing
0: so we were open, you know, any of the uh, people that are listening to this program and that are very much interested and that know of someone that could really, uh, you know, be helpful with Dr. Cooperstein. I think, uh, you know, we heard her. And yes, I'm going to put again her, you can again tell. Your email and how again for people that didn't um, listen to us at this time. So could you please tell us again how can they get in contact with you?
1: Thank you for uh, wrapping up with my contact information. People can scroll to the end and say, "Oh, okay, let's just learn more about this person." So yeah, I'm Dr. Henny Cooperstein, and Henny is H-E-N-N-Y, and Cooperstein, the way I spell it Hasidish style, is. K-U-P with a silent F, <laughs> and then there's the E-R-S-T-E-I-N. Very um,
0: beautiful. Thank so you. if
1: you search on Google, Henny space K, they will recommend, are you looking for mm-hmm. Henny? Cooperstein if you go on Facebook and you search for Henny space uh, K, it will recommend my public figure page. And if you want to email me, just send an email to henny at hennyk.com. Beautiful. And Oh, on my K.com website, if you click on the contact page, it will prompt you uh, to book a consultation, because a consultation is required before we start anything. Yeah, we yes. need to meet with the parents and actually see if the household, if the family dynamic and the attitudes are something that I can work with, because if the family thinks the child is illiterate uh, and should not learn geometry and science, even though they're wearing a diaper then I can't work with the family. And that's what we do. It's a screening of the families in the initial counsel.
0: Very important. So what is your uh, last motto from this community of uh, autism? What what would you say? What's the, the motto?
1: In autistic land, we like to say that the presumption of competence means that you, by default, never give the person the benefit of the doubt that they cannot do something. So it means you presume that the person is competent, and you keep talking or teaching, just like when you read books to a newborn baby. Why do we do that? Right. Why don't we read uh, high school uh, textbooks to first graders who are autistic? Just bring the knowledge and presume competence, and let them show you what they're made of.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. We really enjoy having you, Doctor Cooperstein, and uh, we will be having more, more, more um, podcasts with you. And it was really a privilege to speak with you. And we will be in contact. Thank you very much. And again, uh, you can listen to us at Girls Must Talk with Mrs. Gertz in a Jewish Podcast uh, FM. All the best, and we'll see you soon. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye, Shoshana. Bye, Thank you. bye.